This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu for more information. David G. Marshall, CEO of Amerimar Realty in Philadelphia, has made a career out of seeking out bitter lemons and turning them into sweet and profitable lemonade. Over the years, he has taken over distressed properties such as the Rittenhouse in Philadelphia, Pure 39 in San Francisco, and Denver Place in Colorado, and turned them into successful enterprises. Using this contrarian investment approach of focusing on underperforming properties, Amerimar has accumulated a portfolio of hotels, offices, apartments, and retail centers from New York to California. Marshall recently went to Shanghai as part of the Wharton Fellows Program and came to the conclusion that what is happening in China today ought to be a wake-up call for the U.S. Knowledge of Wharton spoke to Marshall about his visit to China and other issues. David Marshall, welcome to Knowledge of Wharton Podcasts. Thank you. Let us begin with your visit to Shanghai. What did you learn about China, and why should that be a wake-up call for the U.S.? China is growing like crazy. Uh, And what I mean by that is, let's just take it from a real estate perspective. My wife and I had the opportunity to go to China in 1985. The tallest building in Shanghai was 19 stories high at that time. Uh, You could count bicycles by the jillions and cars by the handful. Today, in the last 10 years, not the last 22 years, Shanghai has built 2,000 high-rise buildings between 20 and 108 stories high, one more spectacular than the next. We stayed in a hotel um, on the 59th floor of the JW Marriott, uh, which was the headquarters for our Wharton Fellows Conference. And you can look in four directions as far as the eye can see, and you see nothing but spectacular high-rises. At night, it looks like Las Vegas Plus. All the buildings are lit up. They look like rocket ships going off, and, I mean, it, it looks like the 4th of July. Uh, it is absolutely incredible what they have accomplished. And we, on the other hand, are arguing over Sarbanes-Oxley and stem cell research and an archaic tax code and Social Security and health care. And I can go on and on. I've written them all down, the things that we're talking about. They're all very important issues, but we are paralyzed by uh, these issues and we are not growing. And it is reminiscent to me of what probably took place with Great Britain not watching the United States when the United States went flying by Great Britain. They are going to go flying by us, and we're going to wake up one day and say, oh, my God, look what we missed. And that was my takeaway from China. You know, it's very interesting, especially Shanghai, then the Pudong region, yes. has gone, grown dramatically in the last, you know, as you said, 10. And if you go back 20 years, the change is even more dramatic because at that time it was even, uh, even more primitive. It had just rice paddy fields at that time. Uh, as a real estate investor, uh, what are the key lessons that you took away about how that change came about in China? Uh, China has done a masterful job in planning uh, to the fact that they have a museum which is approximately the size of our Kimmel Center dedicated to development and they have a scale model of uh, the entire city that has got to be oh god um, 100 feet in diameter I mean it is just 
unbelievable with every building in there. And whenever there's a new building, they go in, reach out, pull out the stuff, and stick in the new one. I mean, they know what they're doing, and they have their eye on the ball. They are determined to get to a certain point. Uh, in the next several years, they're going to do the World Expo in 2011. Um, they've determined to build nine new villages or cities within Shanghai. Like seven, don't hold me to these numbers. I'm going by recollection. Seventeen new expressways, six new subway lines. Uh, they have a 200 mile an hour levitating uh, train that comes in from the airport that they're going to be expanding. I mean, it's just. And when they say they're going to do it, all you have to do is look and believe them. I mean, they are going to do it. And we have a you know a democracy, which is a wonderful form, the best form of government. Uh, but maybe not the best form of government for everybody because they're working under what is tantamount to a benevolent dictatorship. And if they want to do something, they just do it. And we get bogged down. I've been working, for example, uh, getting zoning for the expansion of a hospital here in Philadelphia. It's a cancer research hospital, and it's taken us several years, and we still are not in the ground. And I would bet you in Shanghai this would be completed already. And we're still messing around with zoning. Uh, Pudong, you asked a question about Pudong, and I digress for a moment. Uh, they determined that they wanted to build the other side of the river, the Pudong side. Um, Pushi and Pudong, east and west of the river, is what the, the definition is. Uh, and they gave very uh, advantageous tax benefits for companies locating in the Pudong area. And today, uh, we had dinner at the Shangri-La Hotel on the 38th floor Jade restaurant. Um, not that they need a commercial. It was one of the finest meals I've ever had in my life. Uh, we're overlooking the river, overlooking the Pushi side, um, and they had fireworks on the boats. And if you want to have fireworks, you know, because it's your wife's birthday, you rent this raft, and they do fireworks. And, I mean, it's incredible. All the boats are going up and down, lit up. looks like uh, the 4th of July. It is just a, a very exciting place to be, and they determined they wanted to get this built. And in Pudong now is a building that uh, Mr. Mori, I believe, from Japan is building. It's 108 stories high, and it's going to be the tallest building in the world. And it, you know, it'll get surpassed by what's going on uh, in other places, but uh, for the time being, it'll be the tallest building in the world. And the Hyatt Regency is spectacular. They have an observation tower. I mean, it's just, if they think about it, they just do it. And it's absolutely incredible. And, uh, you know, hmm. that, that's how they're doing it. Wow. Well, in addition to the speed with which projects move forward in, in China, what are some other key differences between real estate development in China and the industry in the U.S.? They have, obviously, a tremendous demand push, uh, which we don't have. Uh, they have uh, companies coming in from all over the world and are, are very anxious to, uh, to locate there, uh, to form joint ventures, to set up uh, manufacturing facilities, financial facilities, whatever. And so this demand push is really the, uh, the reason that the development is happening. But it is only happening because they want it to happen and they are willing it to happen. Now, we all know that real estate is a cyclical business, and, and uh, when uh, we see tremendous development taking place, uh, there sometimes can be a, a boom followed by a bust. Now, Knowledge at Wharton had written an article some time ago about real estate in China, where we pointed out that in cities like Beijing and Shanghai, home prices have been growing at 25% a year, uh, and this led some of the 
Wharton faculty and other experts who have been watching that market to wonder if there is a bubble. Uh, did you see any signs of a bubble and what might happen if it were to burst? Um, I am not a three-day wonder on the real estate market <laughs> in Shanghai. Uh, I, we, were, we were looking at, um, we went through the General Motors plant uh, from uh, the meeting with the top officials and stuff. We went through the Roche plant. We went through uh, the uh, Shanghai Pudong Bank. Uh, one of the major conglomerates, a media company. Uh, we met with Seebs, uh, which is their uh, uh, their business school. Um, we really did not, or, and I did not, get into the, the vacancy factors and the rent and stuff like that, so I do not want to hold myself out as an expert in that. My um, reflections are what I observed, as any visitor would see, but with a, a bent to the real estate development. Would you invest in real estate in China? And if you did, if you were to do so, what would your strategy be? I would not do it uh, on my own. Uh, if I were to do it, I would probably do it with a uh, a Goldman Sachs uh, type of a uh, company that is over there and is entrenched and is very knowledgeable and very uh, savvy and understands uh, all the pitfalls. It is not as clean as doing business in the United States. It's pretty well known that uh, there are bribes, and I mean, let's just put it right out there. Uh, you've got to know the right people, and you've got to take care of the right people. I have never in my career done anything that I don't want to read about in the morning paper the next day, and I'm not going to start now. And so I'm not into that. And uh, this is, uh, to me, like showing up to play basketball, and they hand you a football. Uh, the rules are different over there. And if you don't know the rules, don't play the game. And uh, you go to dribble a basketball and it's a football, it's going to go shooting off to the side. You're going to really find yourself in a mess. So I'm very, uh, I'm not a, uh, an investor on my own over there. But if, uh, if I'm in with someone that I really trust and is knowledgeable, uh, I would probably stick my toe in the water. Uh, let's come back to the wake-up call. Uh, what do you think would be the right response? I think it should be mandatory for every politician in federal government to go over there and see what's going on. I've talked to a number of them who have not seen it. And it, it is incredible for me to see a company, a company, a country growing as fast as this country uh, that holds uh, at last count, a trillion three hundred billion dollars of our treasury bills, and we are making decisions on how we're going to relate to them without having been there. Uh, it it should be a uh, a mission that they all have to take, not a boondoggle. It could be done in a few days, and I'm interested in having them see the progress that's being made over there, because I think it's very naive for us to have our congressmen sitting there arguing about how we're going to punish China for not letting the yuan float uh, and how we're going to punish China for intellectual property rights. Uh, when they're sitting with a, a trillion, three hundred billion dollars of our treasury bonds, uh, you're not going to punish anybody. Uh, what you've got to do is try and work with them. And we had a conversation in one of the board meetings with, uh, I believe it was with the bank, and we asked a question about intellectual property rights. And if I can paraphrase, because I can't quote, uh, the, the indication was very clear 
that they really don't care about our intellectual property rights. It was made very clear what their goals are. Their goals are to get a billion, three to five hundred million people educated, clothed, housed, fed. And intellectual property rights are not on their radar screen. And they made it real clear that they're not going to get on the radar screen. We're trying to play a basketball game with a basketball, and they're trying to play a basketball game with a football. It's a different set of rules. And we better realize it's a different set of rules, and they're not going to play by our set of rules. Uh, they're holding a lot of the chips right now, and they're holding more and more of the chips every day. And once the U.S. politicians go there and see for themselves the other side of uh, you know, the, the China story, as it were, uh, what would you expect them to do? What concrete measures do you think can be taken to act upon the situation? Well, one of the things that we should do uh, is, is understanding our own political system and understanding where our political system, to me, um, is, is problematic. Uh, I'm digressing from China a little bit, but I see a, uh, a political system within the United States uh, where you have a primary where you've got to be on the extreme left or the extreme right to get the nomination from your party. Then you try and coalesce to the center, and you spend the next two years as congressman or four years as president or six years as senator fighting a trenched war that you don't want to get anything done because if you get something done, the other side will take the credit for it, and you're more interested in getting elected than you are doing the right thing. And those are the frustrating things that I see. I certainly do not subscribe to us adopting their political system. But I do really um, get very concerned. I mean, for example, uh, we had a guide on uh, before the Wharton Fellows. We had a guide that took us through the old city of Shanghai. And the people who are living in the old city are given two choices when the city wants to build something. One is terrible, and the second choice is worse. Uh, he explained it briefly by saying that if they decide that they want you out of there, your first choice is that they will give you a new home 35 minutes out of downtown because they, you can't afford anything within the downtown area. You don't want to do that because you're currently walking to work from your house and you're very happy. Well, then fine. Then we'll appraise your house and your house is worth about $700 and we'll give you $700 and you fend for yourself. Now, there's got to be a happy medium between just going in, running roughshod over people, and trying to build a cancer research hospital that takes you years to get through zoning. And that's really the, the, uh, the crux of what my issue is, that I'm not going to give you the answers. I'm saying that you're the politicians. You can come up with the answers. But let's focus on what our problems are. Our problems are that we're stymied. We can't develop things. Because, you know, we're constantly shooting ourselves in the foot. We have a situation right here in Philadelphia uh, with the dredging of the Delaware River. Uh, New Jersey said no to dredging. Pennsylvania said yes to dredging for the DRPA, Delaware River Port Authority. And the response was that we're not going to meet. So they didn't meet for, I don't know, it was a year, a year and a half. And that was the answer. So finally, Pennsylvania uh, won but they have the total cost of doing the dredging, and they have the total responsibility for all the environmental cleanup, and hopefully the federal government will come in. But, I mean, we are fighting over the fact that we need 45 feet of depth in the Delaware River to bring in the big ships. 
and New Jersey didn't want to do it. Why they didn't want to do it? I'm not going to comment, uh, but we can't accommodate one of the great ports of our country because we don't have the depth to bring in the ships for all of the uh, the produce that's coming in from the rest of the world. And so we we don't have a an efficient way of dealing with our problems. And maybe if they see that Shanghai wants to build a port, I mean, they just build it. I mean, you can't believe how many ships are in their port. You just can't believe it. Uh, it looks like a traffic jam. And, you know, we are sitting there, you know, messing around over a year, year and a half. They won't meet. You know, finally they resolved it. But I, it's just, there's got to be a better way. If, if you had your dream scenario for real estate, uh, what would you like to see happen? It's not a dream scenario for real estate. It's a dream scenario for America. Uh, and, I, and this is not about me. Um, and it's not about what I want to do. Uh, I just want to wake up our political um, leaders to the fact that we have world dominance in so many areas that we are losing. That's my goal. It's not to be a, a real estate developer in China or for us to emulate their ways. It's just let's look at what the facts are. The fact of the matter is you can't have something like this going on without knowing about it. And you can't know about it unless you see it. What's the most important lesson you think America should be learning from what's happening in China? The world is passing us by and we are ignoring it. And that's the most important lesson. And I want, to, I want us to understand we can't deal with problems that we don't know about. Uh, David Marshall, thanks so much for speaking with us. My pleasure. Thank you. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upen.edu slash India.